right, good morning. Are you awake now? All right, that's a video from a church out in uh, Arizona, I believe. So pretty cool church, and um, so uh, it'll, it'll fit today. So are you awake? Guess what? This week's Thanksgiving. Woohoo! Guess what? Another month, it's Christmas. Guess what? Couple, couple months, you get to pay new taxes for the next year. Yay! <laughs> All right, let's stand up. For those of you who are used to being with us here or online, welcome to Haven Community Church. Um, and you can see that we're down a couple people today. Our fearless leader is away, Wayne. And so um, you know what that means. That means you guys got to sing louder. That means you got to bring it. We don't have our keyboards today, but we're here to worship the Lord. And that's what we're here for, right? Right? All right. So um, let's, let's just uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we just come to you today. Wherever we're coming from, we just ask that your Holy Spirit be very present here as we worship your holy name. And just, uh, God, we know that this time of year is where everything kind of gets a little bit more hectic before we can take a little rest. Uh, and so we just pray that your presence will just be so mightily through all of these uh, next couple weeks as students and uh, are finishing up exams, as, um, as uh, every, everybody's just running around with this... Uh, we're just going, traveling back and forth. I know this Wednesday is considered the most traveled day of the year. Um, but God, let us just, uh, we just ask for your traveling mercies and just let us have a great time here in celebration of you today. And all God's people said. God is able, He will never fail, He is Almighty God, greater than all we seek, greater than all we ask, He has done great things, lifted up, He defeated the grave, raised to life. Our God is able in His name. We overcome for the Lord. Our God is able. I don't hear you. God is with us. God is on our side. He will make a way. For above all we know, for above all we hope, He has done great things. Lifted up, He defeated the grave, raised to life. Our God is able in His name. We overcome. For the love, our God is able. God is with us. He will go before. He will never leave us. He will never leave us. God is for us. Has opened arms, he will never fail us, he will never fail us. Lifted up, he defeated the grave, 
raised to life. Our God is able in His name. We overcome for the Lord. Our God is able. Lift it up. He defeated the grave. Raised to life. Our God is able in His name. We overcome for the Lord. Our God is able for the Lord. Our God is able for the Lord. Our God is able. Give me a second. Let me get tuned up a little bit more here. Anybody got anything you want to share? Come on, Becky. You're never quiet. There, a little bit, yeah. Good thing it says make a joyful noise. Like <laughs> <laughs> He's making all kinds of noise. I love him. <laughs> Figures. Norman's kid's making fun of me. this morning. This is a song you all know. Blessed be your glorious name. 
Let be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Holy, holy is His name alone. It is You. 
praise here today and let's go ahead and give God a cloud offering let's just praise him and so Lord God as you hear that may you just hear our hearts here today as we just want to be here just for one thing and that's for you and only you and God just be with us this time as our children go to Sunday school our shoreline ministry and our young people um, those who decide to go and the rest of us that are here we're all just your children just trying to connect and find a way to you throughout this really really crazy world and God for all the blessings that you give us we give you thanks in Jesus name everybody says amen All right, greet somebody as our children go to our shoreline ministry.
All right. How are you? How are you? I got a peachy. Anything else? Anything else but peachy? Everybody excited about Thanksgiving? Isn't that like one of the best ever? Like, it's that, that's such an American holiday where all we get to do is watch football and eat. And then shop afterwards, right? So that's what we have, but... All right, welcome to Haven Community Church. If this is your first time being here, welcome. Um, can you hear me? You hear me okay? You sure? I'm just checking. Um, so, but we're glad that you are here um, and excited that you're with us. We, again, we say every week, we don't believe that you're here by mistake. We're just glad that you're here. We believe God brought you here, and we hope that you'll just connect and have an awesome time. All right? Um, so uh, a couple thing, announcements we want to make. If you are visiting, hopefully you received a card. If you did not, we want to make sure you get one of them. And if you'll fill that out, we have a small gift uh, thanking you for being part of our worship today. And we hope that you'll in, enjoy and be and just, you know, main thing. What's the main thing to enjoy uh, Haven Community Church? Relax, just kick back, and just let God just minister whatever he wants to to you. All right? In this messy shell, I'll give you something, okay? Um, so um, you can look at some uh, other information that we have here. Um, we are updating our database, so if you can go ahead and fill out that information, that would be great. Today after church, we have a trustees meeting. Um, the Christmas parade, December 5th. Remember when December was far away? <laughs> Not anymore. Um, but uh, the Christmas parade, if you would like to join us um, in the Northeast Christmas parade on the 5th, um, we have a super sleigh. It looks awesome, Right? And it looks, it looks incredible. And um, if, you, if you checked out anything online, it's pretty cool. And so we want to pack that um, with the sleigh. So um, they're going to meet at, in the Bell Cafe, which is over here um, today. And if you want more details, and would love to have children join us, but parents can accompany them, it's a big sleigh. So we want to pack the sleigh, right? No, we're just getting wet again like last year. Yeah, last year was very interesting. They had a rain date. And they didn't use it, and it poured. So we're wondering what you need. Do you need a monsoon in order for a rain date? Um, because it was almost that, wasn't it? So if you want to have fun, if it's rain or shine, come out with us. Join the sleigh. Um, hopefully the parade will go quicker when we have that. Um, but, um, and I got to meet Don Scott last year. Remember him from WJZ? He was dry. I wasn't. Okay. Um, Dining for Women, you can see the Christmas party there on December the 9th. You can mark your calendars. What you have to be for that is a woman. All right, sorry guys. Uh, and um, some other outreach opportunities. Today's our final day for Operation Christmas Child. We've been rolling them out. There's been, uh, so I got to see last week as I was away, um, the blessing. That was just really cool seeing all that. We've had others come in that are going to go, but this is our last week. Liz, got anything? Okay, so 135, including the ones up there? All right, so what, what, our goal was what? 150, so we're a little bit short. So, you know what, and I put on, I linked it to the Haven um, web page, um, uh, Haven uh, Facebook page. Um, if you want to check out a video, there's a video that was put on there from, I believe the guy was from either, I think he was from either I Idaho or Iowa. It's one of those I states. Um, and when he was a kid, he gave a Christmas box. I don't know if everybody saw this. He gave a Christmas box and sent it and it went to the Philippines. Went to a, a and he included in it a picture of himself. And... This girl, as she got older, held on to this picture. She contacted him through Facebook. His parents were like, what? 
I don't, you better check this out. And she said, yeah, here, describe the picture to him. They formed a relationship over a year or so. He went down to the Philippines once, met her, and he said immediately his heart was warmed. And what ended up happening, they just got married. Um, so if you are single and you didn't put a Christmas box in, <laughs> shame, shame on you, all right? So, um, but, but I, you know, we are collecting today, but if you're like, oh my gosh, I really wanted to do something, I left it. See Liz, right? See you right after church. This is, we got to wrap it up, unfortunately, because they're going to mail them out so the kids get them for Christmas. So if you want to check that video, go ahead to Haven's Facebook page and check that out. Um, just, and, and what was really cool, it was a news broadcast, and he was just sharing about how, you know, it's not chance, it's God. And he was just sharing throughout how God worked through that whole process. All right? Um, Thanksgiving um, drive today. Um, Awesome response for this. Um, We'll give numbers uh, later this week. Um, But what's really cool is went out to uh, Walmart yesterday and just asked people, and they were just given, which is awesome to see. So um, we were rocking that one out, which is pretty awesome. And Parish Foundation, our next one is December 20th. And if you want to connect with that, please do so. All right? So a lot of things going on. It's that at the end of the year kind of stuff. All right, we only have a couple prayer requests here. We want to lift up, um, Melinda has requested a prayer for Lois Prentice, who is usually in that section right there. Lois is in Christiana Hospital. She's had some health issues here recently, so we want to continue to lift Lois in prayers. And for Denise Piemontese to pray for the Wilson family, um, Uncle Danny Wilson went to be with the Lord this morning. So pray for them in this loss. Also, we want to continue to lift P.J. Smith up in prayers, right? And he's doing better, I understand, but he's had a lot, um, s- several procedures, and, um, and he's, um, how old is P.J. now? 36. 36, so we want to continue to lift him in your prayers as well. Gary. Yeah. Yeah, Kate, um, we want to lift Kate up in your prayers as, um, her, and the Ray family, as Henry Ray um, passed on very suddenly during the procedure this week. And uh, many of you may know Henry, the Ray family has been around in this area for a long time, right? Right, Kate? And um, it was, it was a, a shock, and he was doing well the night before. Um, but we want to lift that family up as they go ahead and celebrate his life in the next uh, day or so. All right? Anyone else that we need to mention? Yes, Bob. Okay, so the Perkins family, be praying for them. All right? Yes, Joe. Okay, so we want to lift them up. Okay, anyone else? All right, we want to pray for Martina because she's married to Joe with that chicken hat on over there. <laughs> Sorry, I cannot take him seriously. Yeah. He's graduated. He, first time I met him, he had a crab hat on, so he's, he's get, moving to land animals now. All right, so. Uh, from, from the, uh, so, let's, so on that ridiculous note, let's go to Lord in prayer. All right. Lord God, we come to you today recognizing that there are so many needs. So many concerns, and yet, God, you are the answer to all of them. And in this time where we focus on giving to others and being there for others, God, we just, um, and, and those that are less fortunate, we just ask that your Holy Spirit just guide us and direct us in, in those ways. For those, for the Operation Christmas Child boxes, God, I, I just, how incredible um, that your hand has, is in every single box that is put together. Same thing with the Thanksgiving boxes. Just how many people who would have sat there while many of us are, are just take for granted, you know, turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce and football and all that other kind of stuff that some people would just stand there and be hungry. But now because of our love for you and, 
revealed in love for others, they're going to have a thanksgiving that they'll be able to be full and to just celebrate together, all because of our love for you. So God, we have many needs. We have those who are experiencing loss of a loved one. And Lord, we know that only you can heal that wound of that loss. We thank you for their lives that touch so many. We just ask that we will pick up the ball and continue sharing your love, as many of those have. And God, for any sickness, uh, for those of, uh, of those that we love, also Wayne Greer, who was in the hospital, all those people that we love and care about, God, just uh, minister your healing to them as this will truly be a season of giving thanks to you. Thanks for the small thanks. Thanks for the great things. But ultimately, just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who suffered, died, and rose again. For that, we give you praise for who you are, that you may reveal yourself even further in our lives. In Christ's name, we pray. That you may all go ahead now, that as we give online or when we give in person, that you will anoint these gifts, that we can meet the needs here and around the world, reaching so many others. For these and all things, God, we give you praise. Amen. Here I am waiting 
All right, I'm going to ask the lights to come up a little bit. Today we have a, um, uh, a good time. We're going to induct um, six new members, and hopefully, uh, they, they, I think they may be here. I haven't seen everybody, but if not, we'll, um, we'll mention them. They went through our membership class uh, recently. We had a number, and um, a number, I have six today. So if you're um, here, we'd like you to come up. I'm going to ask Debbie DiVirgilio, our lay leader, to come up um, and help with this. So if, you're, if I call your name, just come on up, and we'll stretch out across here. All right? Wesley Hewitt, there's Wes, come on up, and his better half, Emily, right, there she is, and Rig Mullen, Rig, and his better half, Sarah, Joe Hash, is Joe here today, oh, there's Joe, right there, you're on the wrong side, so just joking, <laughs> that's all right now, Joe, and his, definitely his better half, Christina, right, all right, come on up, guys, here we go. Come on up front. Here they are. You're, it's bright up here, right? Is that what you said? Hey. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Now, one of the things that we do here, and I stepped out. Um, one of the things that we do here is I- in Scripture, and those who are in disciple Bible study, you know that um, names mean something, correct? Right? And names in the Bible, anybody who's read the Bible means something. And so um, they were given names by their parents, right? Or somebody, dog catcher, right? You know, there we go. But they were given these names. And with that, um, what I like to do is take the name and then just, because I really believe that God connects 
um, that gives us, that we, he influences our, our parents somehow um, to go ahead and mean something. He tells us a little bit about our character and what God's calling us. So Wes, we're going to start with you. Does that work? Good. Wesley. That's a good Methodist name, John Wesley. Um, but um, you know what your name means? No. From the West Meadow. Try to figure that one out, right? Okay. Um, so from the West Meadow, but listen to this, from Isaiah 44, verses 3 and 4. I will pour water on a thirsty land and streams on a dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and bless my, descend- and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in the meadow, Woo. like poplar trees by flowing streams. And this was important to, to the people that were first hearing this because it was a very arid, dry wasteland. And if anybody's met Wes and had a chance to talk to him a little bit, you find out that even if you're going through a dry time, he's just got this presence. Am I right, those of you who know him? This presence that just seems to bring life to you. And so, Wes, I, I believe that's part of your calling for God to just help bring his love to others and, um, and to bring life where there's not. And so we welcome you here. We love you, and God bless you. All right. Okay, you can clap, too, if you want to. All right. You ready for yours, Emily? Do you know what your name means? It means industrious and striving, okay? And I went to Philippians 3, 14, which says, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. With this goal in mind, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And if you know Emily, you know that she's, she loves the Lord. She has a passion for God and for others. And I, I see people shaking their head who know her. And she, she also radiates that. And I know that, I, I'm sure that, in, in life, not everything has been easy over the years, right? And yet, you keep striving for the Lord. And, keep bring, and I know that you bring others to the Lord. Am I right? She connects other people to God, and that is an amazing thing. So we love you, and we're glad that you're here. Thank you. All right. All right. Now, you come up with this one. Everybody wants to know what I'm going to come up with for rig, right? It's R-I-G, rig. Now, it actually comes from the name Ridge, did you know that? Yeah. Okay. Well, it does. Okay. <laughs> um, and I found this verse from Psalm eight, 18, verse 2. The Lord is my high ridge, my stronghold, my deliverer. My God is my rocky summit where I shall take shelter, my shield, my horn that saves me, and my refuge. Now, just in knowing, uh, in knowing you guys, I, I've known her a little bit longer, but I'll, I'll talk about her in a second. But um, with, um, with Rig... I recognize that, when, that people who know them look to them as a source of strength. Am I right? Am I right? And, and that the strength is not in their own nature. It's in the, the love and the commitment that they have to God. And I'll tell you a little story after I talk about Sarah, just about where that strength comes from. And so I believe that God has brought you here to continue to be that strength for so many other people. And I can't wait to see. I know the passion of your heart is to help those people and to connect people to God. And that's an exciting thing. So God bless. We're glad that you're here. Right? All right. All right, now Sarah and I met years ago. We're not going to go how many, but years ago when my dad and I were on a, um, were uh, spiritual directors for a, a, an Emmaus weekend. So anybody who's been to Emmaus. And that's how we got connected originally. And, um, and that was when my dad could not speak. And the Lord gave him this great verse, which when dad was getting ready to speak, and he said, I made a jackass speak one time, and I can do it again. <laughs> so um, so it, was, it was one, and it was one of joy, but one of 
of just the Lord moving mightily. And what I found out is, um, you know what your name means? Princess. There you go. Yeah, it is. You're a princess. And, um, and I found this in Psalm 45, 13. All glorious is the princess within her chamber. Her gown is interwoven with gold. And the other thing that I found out is that, we, that it talks about that we are children of the Lord. And if we're, children, if we're children of God, then we are all princes and princesses. And we need to start living like that, not defeated. And Sarah was the mother of Isaac and the wife of Abraham who really kicked a lot of this stuff off. And so what I found out is that um, if you think of a princess as someone who is there to be served, you're thinking of the wrong person here. But if you think of a princess who uses her life to give to others and to be there for others, this is the perfect princess right here. And I've seen her in service, and I've seen her care. Now, these two, they, they, every once in a while, they go up north, right, for a little bit. And you know what they did? They don't miss church. They go to a library and sit outside and get the Wi-Fi connection so that they can be part of church. <laughs> and it, it is awesome that you know that that's happening. So, so God is awesome. Sarah, we love you, and we're glad that you're our princess here. All right. All right, Joe, how you doing, brother? Good. good, you're looking good. All right, so Joe, you know what your name means? Yeah. It means may God add or give and may God increase. And Deuteronomy 1.11 says, may the Lord, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousandfold more than you are and bless you just as he had promised. And um, in knowing you um, in the time, I know that the one thing that I, I definitely know about you is you're a person of integrity and character. And, and when you look around the world, there's not a lot of people like that, you know? And even if you're dealing with somebody whose character is questionable, you treat them with dignity and honor. And I think that that's one of the things that God is doing. You, in, you increase his presence in everything that you do. You're strong, you're committed, and, you, and I know you love your family. And um, we're glad that God's going to use you to increase um, what the, the gifts and graces that he has here f- for you at our church. So God bless you, brother. We love you. All right. And yours was the easiest to find. Do you know what your name means? Follower of Christ. There you go. So, um, so there's a couple of things that we found here. Number one, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, the Apostle Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And also the great calling when Jesus said, follow me. And again, I've seen that displayed in your life, particularly with your children, your family, those you love, um, and even those you don't know. I've seen you just, you know, you have this peace and this presence and this love of God, and I know that um, God is going to continue to strengthen you as a follower, and your kids and others are going to look up to you as an example of Christ, and that's a joy, and we're glad that you're here following Christ here, so God bless. All right, so what I want to do is I just want to give a prayer for them and just thank them um, for joining our church, and let's just go ahead and give a prayer. Lord God, we just come to you now. I just thank you for these individuals who are not, and, and for everybody in this church, But today we're going to just ask for a special blessing upon uh, these individuals who have said, I want to take a step of faith even further. They could slide in and slide out, but they said, you know, I want to make a a claim. They heard everything in the class about how this is to draw you closer and to use their gifts and graces to bring many to Christ. And God, I thank you for them. I thank you that you brought them to this church to use their ministry, that the body of Christ here at Haven has gotten a lot stronger because of those who are represented here. So throughout the weeks and months, God, that you use them and strengthen them, be with them, be with their families. But most of all, God, just make them more real. Make yourself more real to to each of them as they answer your calling here and around the world. 
and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's give him a hand. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. You guys can go sit down. Thank you. I got it. I'm looking over it right now. Uh, I'm gonna have to get back to you. Sometimes in life you go looking for trouble. I have a feeling trouble is about to walk through my door. Vivian Cherie. She has an uncanny ability to make you do things you never want to. I'm sorry to bother you, Jake. I just had no one else to turn to. You're so strong. No one backs down to you. Flattery. It gets you nowhere. Are you in? Dealing with the difficult, this is by far the hardest of all of those people. I'm thrilled to have that we have enough talent and gifts in this church that we can keep on rolling but there's a lot more things I got to think about that I didn't realize and I feel like I need those symbols between my legs and you know that kind of stuff but it's all it's all good all right and hopefully everybody is just having a good time y'all good y'all good all right that's better um, had a great week last last week um, got to go back to my alma mater the Mountaineers of West Virginia and all I know is they've been on a winning streak since I went. That's all I'm saying. But, um, so, but um, we had a great time. It's kind of good, good to go back sometimes to, to a place. I told people it was good to go back to a place that at one point I had no responsibility. Um, and wouldn't that be nice if you could just like stop and say, no responsibility today. I don't have to do anything. And so it was just nice. I got to see somebody who I hadn't seen in almost 25 years. Um, and she said the best thing that she ever could. You haven't changed a bit. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, but she hadn't either. And then I showed her a picture that I had changed. And so it was just kind of cool to just reminisce and it's just how God just brings, um, brings different people in your life. And, um, and they live in Charlotte. So it was really kind of cool just to see how, how life has gone. So anyway, we are in our third week of our series um, this is our series, Those Usual Suspects. Last week, um, this, the first week, if you missed it, it's online, but we talked about those way too needy. Remember those needy people? And we talked about them. Anybody run into any of them over the last couple weeks? All right. Last week, Mike Brandon picked up for us, and he started talking about those unforgiving ones, the people, uh, and about unforgiveness. And one of the things that we're finding in each of these areas is not just those people, but sometimes it's we are those people as well. Um, la- uh, next week, we will talk about one that I know you'll love to hear after Thanksgiving, those hypocritical ones. All right, Anybody know any of those hypocritical ones that say one thing and do another? And how do we love them and minister God to them with that? In two weeks, we will finish up the series and um, we'll deal with those critical ones. Uh, we're going to get you right ready for Christmas, okay, right here, and, and family. Those who pick you apart and pick everything else apart 
as well. And so today, we're going to delve in to another one that is probably very good for, for our lives, those manipulating ones, okay, um, those manipulating ones. So let me ask you a question. How many of you know someone that at some point in your life would try to control you or manipulate you or impose their will on you? So raise your hand. Okay, uh, how many know those manipulating people? Um, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. Uh, how many, raise your both hands, ready? If you know that person, wave them around. See, I'm manipulating you right now, and you're doing exactly what I said, so how does it feel? All right. Um, it, it's interesting. There is, uh, we always have this manipulation, and some people we just accept it from as them being manipulators, and we shouldn't. There's a story about a man who had a vision from heaven. And his vision was that there were two very, very long, long lines. And one had a sign over top of it, and it said, there were lines that were there, and one said, for men who are controlled by their wives. And this line just went for miles and miles. You couldn't see the end of it. And then there was another one that had another sign, and it said, for men who are not controlled by their wives. And it had one person standing in it. St. Peter was monitoring this, so he walked over, and he said, he, he looked at everybody in the line, that real long line, he saw this one guy, and he said, excuse me, sir, uh, what are you doing over here? The guy said, I have no clue. My wife told me to stand here, and I don't ask any questions. <laughs> All right. So that may be uh, some of you um, here today, and if you are, you can say amen under your breath because you don't want you to get hurt. Um, but today we're going to talk about how to deal with manipulative, manipulative, if I can get it out, and controlling people. Now, we need to recognize, though, that it's been a problem since the beginning of time. And I'm going to share with you a couple examples from the Bible that I've put in, on your um, bulletin sheet there. And you can see, the first one I want to do is go to Mark chapter 6. And in Mark chapter 6, and if you want to... Um, you can follow along in the Bible, but in Mark chapter 6, verses 21 through 26, this is an account that gives an account and attaches to a guy named John the Baptist. Or when I was in seminary, I had a professor who would say J-Bap because he got tired of saying John the Baptist. So here we are, John the Baptist. At this point, John, there's a, there's a Herod. It's a different Herod than when Jesus was born, but there's this Herod. And he married his, he they, all the Herods killed a lot of people. They weren't good people. And he married, like, his sister, brother. It was a big family kind of, like, thing, all right? And, and it was against the law, against God's law, and yet these were people who were supposed to be the leaders of the Jewish people. And John the Baptist was a guy who would not let you, like, your, your stuff slide by. He just would share it um, with the world and... Uh, he, would, he would have made a great Facebook poster. Um, he would have put it out there, exactly what's going on in your life, and said, here it is. And so what would happen is um, Herodias, who was the wife of Herod at this time, had some major issues and some major sins, and John the Baptist decided to share it every time he saw her. Not a good thing when she has power, but Herod got a kick out of John. Herod really liked the things that he said and just got a kick out of him. Well, one night, Herod had a big birthday bash. It was Herod's birthday bash. It was held in Las Vegas. Um, but he had this big birthday bash, and it wasn't in Las Vegas, just to let you know. Um, 
So with that, he invited everybody, and he was extremely wealthy, so they had a major, major party. And he, as, as they tended to do, they had a little, well, a lot too much to drink. And he was, ha- he was the life of the party. Yay, this is for me, this is for me. And at this point, he decided to do something. So he said, hey, where's Herodias' daughter? Bring her here. Bring her here. Now, we don't know anything about her, but except for that she danced, and she was a good dancer. Now, I don't know what kind of dance it was, but I'm sure it was not a Texas two-step. Are you with me? Um, I'm sure it was probably scantily clad, and it's a young girl dancing around, and Herod's like, oh, yeah. Now, this would be his stepdaughter, niece, all this kind of stuff, you know, the intermarried family thing. You know, welcome. All right, so here they are, and he says, call her out here and have her dance. Now, whatever she did, it was good for him and everybody else. He's sitting there watching her dance. Everybody's watching her dance. And then at the end, he goes, Woo, that was good, girl. He said, I'm going to tell you, this is how good it is. I'll give you anything you want. I'll even give you half of the kingdom. I don't care. He was really, either really drunk or really good dance. Either one. Probably a combination of both. Are you with me? Everybody awake? All right, so here he is. So she goes and talks to her mother and says, What do you want? He said, He'd give me half his kingdom. And so his mother hated John the Baptist. John the Baptist was in prison, although Herod would go down and just kind of talk to him, got a kick out of it. It was like his own little, little like show, side show here. She said, ask for the head of John the Baptist on a, plat- on a platter. So she goes back. He thinks she's going to ask for wealth and riches, and she says, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And he's like, no, 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 no. But you made this publicly. Now, as a king, if you made it publicly and didn't follow through with it, everybody would question your ruling. And so he had to do, at this point in life, Herod had to do something that he did not want to do because he was manipulated by these two women. Now, that's that's one. Number two, from Genesis chapter, so we have the two women that manipulated Herod in Mark. The next is from Genesis chapter 25, and it's about two brothers, two twin brothers who had been fighting forever. And what we learn here is Jacob manipulated Esau. Esau was the older brother. He came out a little bit early um, before his brother. His brother was grabbing at his leg, trying to pull him back in so he could um, get the birthright. The birthright was if you were born first, you got everything. If you were second, didn't matter. So Jacob goes ahead and says, uh, is he, he was kind of a mama's boy. And he was inside, he's cooking. Now, Esau was a rugged mountain man. He would, he would, he would have been uh, deer hunting this last couple weeks. That's where he would have been. He would have been out there. And so, while well, Jacob would have been home making like some, some stew, okay? And that's what's happening here. He's making some stew, and it smells really good. And Esau didn't have a very good day at hunting. He comes in, and he goes, man, I am hungry. Oh, what is that smell? What's going on there? That smells really, 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 really good. Let me have some of that. And Jacob says, it's pretty good. I'll just let you know. And he has some more. He said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a bowl of this if you give me your birthright. And Esau, not the most intelligent to, tr- to trade his whole birthright and all those wealth and riches and pres- prestige for a bowl of soup, okay, goes ahead and says, sure, go ahead. So what happened here? Jacob manipulated Esau. He does it again and takes absolutely everything, including the blessing that he has from here. Now, probably one of the most humorous stories to me, um, and one of the most interesting stories comes from the book of Judges, chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. And it's about two people, 
a man named Samson. Anybody know Samson? What did he do? He was strong. He had this long hair. He kind of looked like Fabio. All right? And he was really, really strong. And if you know who Fabio is, you've been reading too many Harlequin romances. But anyway, here he is, super strong. And it wasn't just because of the hair, but it was because of the commitment, the Nazarite vow he made to God. Here he is, strong. But he had a problem. He always picked the wrong women. And he had broken everything except for the hair. And so now he's with this woman named Delilah. Now, he think, and he's got like, kind of like this demented sense of humor. So she was like, tell me the source of your strength. So he tells him, well, if you put it up in a bow and put it here, it'll happen. Every time he tells her something, he does this like three to four times. Every time he tells her something, people come in and she yells, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he comes out and he goes and kicks their butt. And every time after it happens, she goes, you don't love me. You told me that that's how it happened. Now, I don't know about you, but he's pretty dumb. If every time you're telling your girlfriend the reason why your strength is taken, and every time she calls somebody, like they say, if you tie me with cords, and he wakes up, he's tied with cords, I'm going to figure it out. You know what I mean? But I didn't say he was the brightest bulb in the pack. But here he is. He goes ahead, and, he's, and she goes like this. Now let's look at what it says in verse 15. This is after several times. She said to him, and I got to use my best whiny seductress voice. Ready? How can you say you love me or I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool with me and haven't told me the secret of your strength. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thank you. And then comes one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You ready for this? All the men are going to say amen. amen. Uh, you better watch what I say first. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. No amens now, right? <laughs> All right. She nagged him day after day. You don't love me. You won't tell me. You won't tell me. Samson's like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So then Samson does the worst thing. He tells her. He tells her. And by telling her, I love what the King James says. It says, she vexed his soul to death. So if you're, if you're getting nagged with your, by your husband or your wife, you can say, quit vexing my soul to death and see how that works. But that's what happened here in this. Samson finally gives in. And one of the things we find out in life is we will sometimes have people that are trying to hurt us. And other times we'll have people who believe they have our best interest and yet one way or another, they corner us and start to pull our strings like a marionette, controlling us, and we end up surrendering the direction of our lives to somebody other than God. And it never ends up well. So how do manipulators work? You want to know that? Anybody want to know? All right. If you're a manipulator, you already know. So here we go. But the most, three most common tactics of a manipulator, the three most common tactics are this. And I have this on your sheet. Number one, flattery. Flattery. This is the brown noser at work who is the suck-up who says, oh, how are you, boss? Good to see you, boss. You look good. Is there new shoes? Oh, new car? I love it. Oh, that's great. That's oh, wonderful. Look, I did this for you in triple kit. I only needed it in, in like one, uh, electronically. That's okay. I knew you might want it there, too. And they're just kissing up, kissing up, kissing up, kissing up so that they can say, hey, you know how I've been working a lot? Can I have off that day? 
right, this day right before the holiday, and you're like, wait a second. You know, they're always kissing up. They're always, you look so good today. Oh, wow. Hey, can you give me a ride? You know, those kind of things. Anybody have any of those people in your life? The manipulators, they want something from you, and they will flatter you and fill everything with you. I love your hair. Are you losing weight? Oh, I knew it. Or I love you. You're so special to me. Now give me what I want. Flattery is one of those tools. The next one is those that just go right at it. They threaten you. If you do that, you're going to regret it. If you go there, I will never speak to you again. If you do this, I'm leaving you. If you want to work here, you'll do this. If you don't pay more attention to me, I'm taking you out of my will. If you don't do this, you're not getting any of that. Threats, threats, threats constantly. And then there's the ones who use, so we have flattery and threats, and then there's one who use this one, guilt. Anybody know those who guilt you? If you love me, you do what I ask. After all I've done for you, how could you call yourself a Christian and fill in the blank? I see how it is. Just go on without me. I'll stay here all by myself. Eat mud. No, no, I'll just be alone. It's okay, go. No. All right. If you don't meet my needs, I'll find somebody else to meet them. Guilt. It's a big one. Anybody been the recipient of that? All right. Anybody been the giver of that? Nobody raising their hand there. So many will make you feel guilty in life. Regardless of the means, whether knowingly or unknowingly, there's a lot of people that grab the strings of your life and make you do the things that you don't want to do or that you shouldn't do just because they can. So what do we do? What do we do when we recognize that someone is trying to manipulate or control us? How do we break the power of manipulation? And just as I did two weeks ago, I want to share three prayers. Three prayers because we need the Spirit of God to get us through this. Because I don't know about you, but I will tell you, some people in my life who have manipulated me have got me in bad places when I haven't focused on God to help me get out and, and to deal with that. So number one that I want to do is share this one. God, help me recognize when someone is trying to manipulate me. Number one. God, help me to recognize it. Because sometimes we just don't recognize what's going on. So many, some of us have been in so many dis, in dysfunctional relationships in our lives and been trapped in a dysfunctional relationship that we don't even recognize what's normal and what is manipulative. I have met people that they tell you their story and they tell you that people who are supposed to love them, things that they do to them, and I'm flabbergasted. I'm like, why don't you just... Kick that person in the butt and kick them to the curb and move. Or why, did, why do you even have that person that you call a friend in your life? Because if you, if, as I see the definition of friend, they are nothing but a friend. They take, take, take from you and leave you. And when you need something, they're nowhere to be around. Anybody know any of these situations like this? And what happens so many times is we get so used to being manipulated, we say, oh, that's just Bill. Oh, that's just Mary. That's just how they are. But what are they doing to you? They shouldn't be that way, but you're giving them too much power. They play us and we play along. We don't even recognize it. 
Not, it's not in our best interest or in God's glory. And in Matthew 16, our main uh, verses 21 and 22, there's a great section there that talks about this. And Jesus begins to open up to his disciples. And he's very vulnerable. As we see at this point, Jesus is at a point where he's about ready to say, hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And he's beginning to share this with his disciples. And so he opens up in this moment, and he says this. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and must suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. In verse 22, look at what it says here. Peter did what? Peter did what? Took him aside. Why? Because manipulators often lose their power in groups. When you're connected to other people and you have solid relationships with other people, people who manipulate you can't do it as much because other people will question their manipulative tactics. Say that five times real fast. Manipulators lose their power in groups. And they've done that for a long, long, t- for a long, long time. Look at what Peter says. He takes him aside. Now this is Peter talking to Jesus. It says, Peter took him aside and began to what? Rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Now see, we need to recognize that in our life there are those who are intentional manipulators. There's an abusive husband, a controlling wife, um, people who withhold things from you, a bully that threatens smaller kids at school. But so often, I believe, the most common form of manipulation is from those who love us and they want to believe that what they have and what they're saying is best for our lives. And I think that's the case here. Peter had good intentions. Jesus, who he loves, is saying, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and I'm going to raise again. And Peter didn't like that. If somebody that we love says, hey, I'm going to go on this trip and I'm going to die, we're going to say, no, 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 you're not going. No, no, you've got to stay here. You've got to be here. That person with good intentions may be, though, standing between you and what God has for you, as in this case. So how do you know if you're being manipulated or controlled? Well, there's a couple things that we have here. You can't say no, and you always feel guilty. Uh, you have those people in your life, that they call and you know that no matter what they ask, you've got to say yes. Or you feel like you have to say yes. And if by some chance you have to say no, like immediately when they ask you something, you go reaching into your pocket to try to find that excuse. And you start looking at your spouse and say, don't we have something that day? And they say, no. And you're like, yes, we do. You know, and you're going, come on, come on, don't you, don't. Well, I, I, I thought we had something, but my wife says we don't. Are you sure? No, we're fine. You're like, mm, and you just try to get an excuse. And then if you do say no, the whole time you feel guilty that you said no to that person. Anybody there? Anybody know those people? Anybody know those people? There we go. We always have this desire to please them, to do what they want, and it's often born out of the tactic of guilt or that we believe that we are the only one that can save them and solve their problems. If we say no, we can't, like, there's other situations that if we go somewhere, we can't have fun because they're not here. And if we have fun, we're going to come home or we're going to go to work and they're going to say, hey, what'd you do this week? And you say, "Um, 
Nothing? Oh, hey, great seeing you the other night. We had a blast, didn't we? You go, no? Because you're feeling guilty in this area. You feel like you have to be exclusively loyal to this individual. And then if you do say no, ultimately this is the second thing that you have, you ultimately feel responsible. You ultimately feel responsible for letting that person down. And probably the third thing to know that if you're being manipulated is you compromise your values to please others. You may be in a situation where you have certain values about relationships and somebody may be pressuring you into something and then you say, no, 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 this is, not, this is my values. And then all of a sudden they say, well, if not, then I'm gonna go find, there's a hundred other girls or guys that are ready for this. And you make a choice. And I could tell you that in talking to many people over the years, the choices that they made under manipulation has affected and sent their whole life on a trajectory that's affected them the rest of their lives. You could be somebody who's sitting somewhere and you went to a party with a friend and there's the newest drug that's there. And they say, go ahead and try it. And it's not going to hurt you. And you say, no, no, no. Go ahead. Come on, everybody's doing it. And, you, and, they, and they just tell you and tell you. And before you know it, you take it. And the next thing, it affects the rest of your life and the trajectory of a life. Now, these are nice catchphrase things that we do. But the fact is, it's real. Or you may go somewhere. I've known people who made one bad choice going with somebody in a car sometime. And because of going to the car, somebody got killed and they end up spending the rest of your life in prison. This is real. And so most of the manipulation just affects us. But I'm saying that when we compromise our values in life, and we do it all the time, sometimes it may be just in a discussion. And in case you don't know, there's a political thing coming up here soon. And everybody has an opinion on it. Am I right? And some of us look at it like a sideshow, but if you share yours, you're afraid to share your opinion in some ways because you're afraid somebody else won't respect it and hate you and cut you off. And who cares? It's your values and what you believe. And some of us are so afraid, even at this time of year, that we have a value that we do celebrate Christmas. And I'm not going to get into all that stuff, whatever you believe, but we do celebrate it and we shouldn't be afraid to say Merry Christmas. When we say Happy Holidays, we're actually saying Happy Holy Days and they're holy because his name is Jesus. So you can take that, whatever you want. I don't care what Starbucks does with the cups. I care about what you do in your life. I care about you compromising your values. Because God cares. He says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Anybody want God to be ashamed of you in your life? Not me. Guess what? It's tough enough with him not ashamed of me. And so we need to share our faith regardless. I'm not saying cram it down somebody's throat till they vomit it out at you, which the church has been really good at for many years. But I'm saying approach people with love and say, if somebody gets offended by Merry Christmas, you didn't need to spend time with them in the first place. Because guess what? They're the same people that'll, that'll get presents on that day. Anybody here? That's not on my sheet, so this is free, okay? <laughs> our values... We've gotten to a point so far in the United States and, and, and in the church that our values have been skewed so far that people can't tell that we are Christians. The scripture says that we are to be a light for the world, a dark world. And the more I see, the more we're skewed that we can't tell the difference. And how can we be a light if we're hiding it somewhere? All right? So uh, just what are your values? I find one of the hardest things when I teach um, a philosophy or ethics is to find out how people cannot 
have an ethical principle from a point of view that everything is very fluid. Now, I will tell you, once again, they think the church has been very domineering, not very loving. We like to beat people on the head with the Bible rather than open up its word and, and, te- and let it be a light to the life. And some people look at the Bible as being something evil rather than being a means of salvation for us and God ministering to us. And that is not God's problem. That's the church's problem and how we presented it to people. And so we need to change the way that we love one another. And not, it's, you know, it's not a conditional love. If Jesus conditionally loved us, guess what? Not one of us would be love. But his unconditional love for us led him to a cross and led him to be uh, nailed to a cross and also caused him to raise again so that when I, when I sin, which I do regularly in case you want to know, um, and I sin regularly and then God wants to just smite me because I should deserve that, Jesus says, whoa, 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 wait a second, time out. I paid that price for him because I love him unconditionally. And he's asked for forgiveness and he's forgiven. When that happens and when maybe what we need is a good dose of forgiveness as Mike talked about last week, in loving one another as Christ loved us. That, doesn't, that seems real nice unless it's somebody who's unlovable. And so we need to reach out and love people. All right, let me get back on this. So, so what do you do when someone backs you in a corner? Now, I'm not a big dancer like as far as organized dancing. I know there's plenty of others in here who do that. But I did some research this week about ballroom dancing. Anybody done ballroom dancing? There's a couple people. Now, I'm told that there's one dance. There's a lot of different dances. But there's this one dance called, um, let me make sure I get it right here, um, Getting Out of the Corner. Anybody heard of this? And it's, here you go. I'm going to try to do this. I told you. So you get, you're getting imitations. You're getting dance. Where else do you get this for a dollar, right? All right, here we go. So it's, and then, you start in a corner and back out. Corner and back out. Oh, come on. That doesn't get anything? <laughs> oh, gosh, I tell you. You should have been amazed. Fred Astaire should watch out. There we go. He is dead. He probably could dance better. So anyway, um, getting out of the corner. What you will find out is in life, there are people that love to back you in a corner. And you need to back out. Somebody will back you in the corner sidestepping out, right? You see what I mean? And that's, I know it's cheesy as all get out, but that's what I got. So as you see this, what I want you to do is to recognize the manipulators will love to back you in a corner because when you're in a corner, you can't get out and you need to sidestep and get out of there. And how do you do that? Several different ways that you can do these things. Someone will back you in the corner and the main way to do it is to not let them do it anymore. You've danced this unhealthy dance for years, and you have to reach a point where you say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm dancing a different way. I'm not going to let you tango me into the corner. I'm going to back out. And we have to learn to do that in our life. I'm going to back out, and because I love you, because I care about you, I'm not letting you do that anymore, because I love God more, and he has a plan for my life, and I'm going to dance to his dance, not yours. So number two here is what we have. God help me set boundaries and strength for manipulation not to work on me. So first thing is, God, help me set boundaries. And then the second part of that is, and give me strength so that manipulation will not work on me. To dance a new dance means you need to set new boundaries in place. Because if somebody is backing you in the corner, guess who's leading the dance? Them. You're giving them control and leadership and dance. So sometimes you just need to say, whoa, no, it's this way. 
We're going to do it a different way. We're going to dance a different way right now. Jesus put a big boundary in place with Simon Peter here. If you look at, at your sheet or you look up on the screen, here's what he says. Jesus turned to Peter. Now Simon Peter said, Lord, no, this will never happen to you. And Jesus' response was, was not like, oh, Peter, just go ahead. I know you love me, but that's, no, look at what he says here. He says this. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in the mind the things of God, but the things of men. So here's what I would tell you. When grandma backs you into the corner, call her Satan. <laughs> All right? No, don't do that. That won't work. Particularly in the holidays when grandma, grandma says, hey, you need to do it. You say, Satan! No, don't do that. That's not a good thing. Not a good thing for the holiday. Preacher told me to call you Satan. No, he, no, I'm just joking. But what you need to do is you need to recognize that someone can be a stumbling block to what God's relationship and God's calling is on your life. And by you giving them power, you're constantly backed in the corner and you're wondering, why am I not getting direction from God because you're backed into the corner and somebody's got you on the ropes and keeping you there, right? Anybody see Rocky? Rocky three, my pity fool, right? Mr. T, remember when Rocky tried to get out and he threw him back in, hit him again, threw him back in, right? That's how some of us exist in our life. We're jabbing around, then we get in the corner and we start to dance out and boom, they throw us back in. We say, we got to drop back out. We gotta keep getting back out because there's some people who want to control us so much in our lives and, and, and they may do it because of love, but what they're really doing is keeping us far from God's call on our lives. Peter, Simon Peter, who loved Jesus so much, who would eventually give his entire life, who would eventually be crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified as Jesus was. That's somebody who has a good resume for loving the Lord. But at this point, he loved God so much that his love for God competed with God's call on Jesus' life. And sometimes the manipulation from the people that we love the most will impede what God wants to do in our lives. And we need to discern that and figure that out. Have you ever seen kids that throw a temper tantrum? Any of your kids ever thrown a temper tantrum? You ever seen adults throw temper tantrums? When kids throw temper tantrums, like in the middle of Walmart, something about those lights in that floor, and they go nuts, and they're like, ah, and they're flipping out, and you're saying, and everybody looks at you like, bad parent, bad, evil parent. I'm waiting to see if you hit them. You know, that kind of stuff. That's what they're looking for. When that happens, most of the time, we don't just say, oh, okay, I'll go ahead and get it for you now. Here you go. Right? What do we do? When you get home, I'm gonna, you know, we, we say those things. You just wait, you, you know, we, but we usually don't give in to the temper tantrums of children. So why do we give in to the temper tantrums or the manipulative tantrums of other people? No, 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 we're gonna dance a new dance. We tell our kids, no, this is not gonna work. It's time for something new. We're dancing a new dance. There's a person that may be threatening and saying, you gotta say, I'm not giving in to your threats anymore. Threaten me, but guess what? It's not gonna work. You, you're the only, that's biblical love. I love you, but it's not gonna work. Call someone on a threat. That's what Jesus did here. No, you're wrong. Because I really believe that to whom much is given, much is required and much is demanded, and God wants to give you more, and he can't if somebody is continually manipulating you, because if he's given it to you, then he's actually given it to somebody else who is controlling you and doesn't have the things of God. I believe that some are in a situation that's standing between, uh, here today, are stand, that you're standing in between, the, somebody is manipulating you and standing in between you and God. 
Why is this so important? Because I want you to hear this. If you let someone else control your life, you are actually committing the sin of adultery. Idolatry. That you have another idol in your life that you worship. They will try to conform you in their image just as God created us in his image. And Christ wants to conform us into the image of him. Number three. God, help me see my own need to control and surrender everything to you. We need to remind ourselves that we too are those usual suspects, that we have a little hint of manipulation in our lives. You know, I can remember as a, as a pastor throughout life, um, there's certain things that I'm very protective of, and one of those things is worship atmosphere. I just really love worship atmosphere. I always have as a kid. I have as an adult. And when I became a pastor, um, I remember one time I was talking to my dad and I didn't like something he was doing. And this was when I was in like, uh, I, I was in seminary. and I uh, No, I was in college. And I didn't like something he was doing. And he said, well, when you become a pastor, you can do it. And I said, I will. Um, and I did it a different way. And that's not he was right or wrong. It's just that I became very protective. And I remember in one, some of my early churches, I had people who had been on worship committees and other kinds of things for about 40 years. And some of them were good things. Don't get me wrong. But there always is one person who wanted to guide and direct and focus and push and shove. And I just knew in my heart of hearts that it was wrong. You know what I mean? You ever have that where you feel it and it's wrong? And at first when you're young and you're trying to oppress, you kind of just say, oh, okay, and you'll go along with this. But eventually I knew that it was disconnect with God and I just had to come out to several points and say no. I remember looking across the table and the person said, well, I know, ready for the manipulation? Well, I know someone has left the church because of that. And it had to be God because I'll tell you, when God puts people in my life, I love them unconditionally. I believe that I'm responsible for them. And, and it hurts when people break away. It does. And I knew this person. <laughs> and I said to them, and everything else, my, my being was like crawling. I was like, oh, I hope they're okay. Maybe I should go talk. Maybe I should do this. And I wanted to do that. And, but it was like God just tapped me on the head and said, don't you dare. And at this moment, I looked across the table at this woman. And I said, 50 people may have cared, but 100 people don't now. And you would have thought I hit her in the face with a baseball bat. But what it was, it wasn't me like being, oh, look at me. It was that at that moment, God was saying, Jack, if you give her this control at this moment, I am not going to be able to bless the ministry that I want to, and what I have blessed will crumble because you will be giving the calling I've given to you to somebody else. And so many times in our lives, we give the calling that God has given us to somebody else, and we never get any further because the simple fact is we're letting somebody else control what God has given to us. It's not an easy message to say. And what I found out when I really looked at this, I like to control things too. Anybody like to control things? Like when I walk, I'm, I'm really bad. Like I was really bad at like when I, when I go to graduate school. I'll tell you one thing I really hate. I hate orientations. Anybody ever been to an orientation for something? I hate them. I hate them because number one, I don't know what's going on and I like to be in control of what's going on. Number two, I'm, I, I've convinced myself this is a complete waste of my time. Anybody else with me? And so here I am, and I do this, and I've done that several times, and I found out that there's two reasons in my life why I like to be in control, and all of us like to be in control. Number one, I'm afraid of surrendering to someone or something else. 
if I want to control, it's probably because, and if you want to control, it's probably because you're afraid of letting go. I believe that that's number one. Number two, I believe I make a better God than God, and I hate to admit that one. When I want total control of something, it's because I think I've got God figured out and I should be God. I don't like it, and guess what? I'm not a better God than God. I don't know the whole picture. I don't have much power, and yet control and manipulation, I never fully, if I'm a controlling and manipulative person, I never ever had the relationship with God that I need because I need to let go and let him move. There's a difference, though, in life between helping lead well and control and manipulate. Like, for instance, there's a fine line with my kids between leading well and controlling and manipulating. My kids, you know, if they say, hey, I'm going to go take the car, I say, okay, Judah, go ahead. I don't want to manipulate you. No, I'm going to control and guide that. And I've got to give God this church, and that's one thing I've had to do before. Uh, people have, I've had people say to me before, and some of you may have been recipients of that, say, oh, I love your church. And I say, no, it's not mine. It's yours. It's God's. It's not mine. Never has been. Never will be. It's not mine. God has placed me here for this time in order to lead, but it's not my church. It never will be. And the moment it becomes my church is the moment that we are all in trouble because I'm not God, and I can't do it. I gotta give God this church. I gotta give God my family because God's a better director of my family and my kids than I am. I've gotta give God my out of control schedule. Anybody got one of them? I gotta recognize that God is enough. And as I look in this last verse that we have printed here in Isaiah 26, here's what the promise is when I see my own need to control and I surrender the latter part, surrender everything to him. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All who trust in you. And what is that promise? You will keep in perfect peace. You don't know many things. and you, I don't know many people in perfect peace in my life, do you? I know a lot of people in perfect turmoil. I know a lot of people with no direction. But when you will be in perfect peace when? When all those thoughts are fixed on you. When you do what? You trust in the Lord. For the Lord God is our eternal rock. Trust in God when you don't understand. Trust in God when your health is bad. Trust in the eternal rock when everything is sinking around you. If you try to control it, I promise you will receive something less than God's best. Because we aren't good at being God. We aren't good at being God at all. I look back on my life and I was thinking about the many times where I have manipulated, sometimes out of good things. But it wasn't good. I have a good God. You have a good God. That's him. He can control instead of me trying to control and manipulate the way I want. How do we do that? By coming under the truth of God and his word and surrendering to him and trust him to bring his will and his eternal peace in the eternal rock. Amen? All right, let's, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer as the rest of the worship team comes up and we move to this time. Lord God, I just want to pray right now that your Holy Spirit would help us. Help us to recognize when we are one of those people and we're trying to control, ultimately, God, something that belongs to you. So I'm going to ask that we just stand right now with our heads bowed and eyes closed. And as you're praying, I know that some of you have a relationship and there's a tension. And there's someone else who has control 
and you need it redefined. You need it changed. You need something new in life. You need to dance a different dance. If someone has a, has a manipulative control, it could be somebody who means something well, I'd just like you to raise your hand if you can. If you know that somebody's been pushing your buttons for a while, I see them. And I just want to pray for you right now. Because there's others of you that you recognize you're trying to control, you're trying to hang on, you're, you won't let go, you're not holding on as that song we started with today, hold on loosely, you're just holding on with a deep grip, with your fingers engaged in them. And you want to give that something to God, just lift up your hands right now, that's where you are. And God, I pray that you give us courage and strength, because I know so many of us have been beaten down so long, and we don't know what healthy is. God, I pray that we wouldn't let any person stand between us. And what you want to do, God, is to give us wisdom and courage to do the right thing. Now I want to pray for those who are holding on to something, for someone who is really hurting right now and wanting their will to be your will, God. I hope that we could be like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he sweat drops of blood and he said, if there's another way, if there's another way, but if not, not my will, but yours be done. Give us the courage and the faith to trust you, God. We pray for this moment that we have a spiritual breakthrough and that your presence would meet us here. And God, I trust that some of us who are, who are praying right now in our minds, just give it a name. If it's a child, if it's a friend, if it's a spouse, if it's a parent, if it's a condition, if it's a fear, if it's a situation, just give it a name and say, God, I trust you with this. Just tell them under your breath, God, I trust you with this as you keep praying i got to tell you there's some great news that there are many of you that god brought here today for the ultimate surrender to give your life to him and for those of you today who have never fully given your life to him that's why you're here today surrender every bit all of your life and say jesus take my life forgive me and make me new i hold nothing back i give my life wholly and completely to you Others just say, Jesus, I surrender. I give it all, every bit of my life, everything to you. If that's you, just raise your hand today and let God minister to you in an amazing and powerful way. For Lord, we love you. We recognize that there's stuff in our life that we haven't been totally obedient with, totally wonderful with. But ultimately, God, we know that you are the potter. We are the clay that you can mold us Guide us, direct us to do your will. Be with us during this week, this week that we deem as Thanksgiving, that we may be able to give praise to you and thanks to you for all that you have done for us. And Lord, now as the altar is open and people may come to worship and connect to you, we give you thanks for all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please come as you are. If you feel led to worship, continue to worship where you are. Or there are people available for prayers to be able to pray with you, to connect with you as we continue and recognize that we're here to worship and connect to the Lord.
here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together together worthy all together wonderful to me king of all days oh so highly exalted glorious in heaven above humbly you came to the earth you Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy. All together wonderful to me. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know how much it costs to see. I hope you guys had an awesome day today and have a great week. Have a great Thanksgiving. Um, the final total, once again. So our goal was 30. We have 70 boxes. Oh, praise the Lord. God is good. There's 70 Thanksgivings. So that's awesome. 
That's awesome. So, um, but you're not going to get any engagements from that one. Okay, just let you know. But that's awesome. But we, but that is amazing. Get, give the Lord praise for that. That's amazing. So have an awesome week this week. Next week, next week we're going to be talking about those hypocritical ones in our lives. Have a great week in Jesus. Amen. Could you hear in your? I think my pack died.